Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. <laughs> and I'm joined by Tracy Pearson. <laughs> that was really big. I you thought, went so big on that. I it went, was amazing. I, I went hard with it. You yeah, gotta go hard with the hole or don't go at all. I don't know if you went hard, but you went big. I yeah. went big. I did something. I can't can't be sure what is it. It what exactly made me it, it made me laugh, and I think everyone else was had the same reaction. There we go. That's all yeah. I need. That's yeah. Tracy Pearson. That's Tracy Pearson. Hello. Tracy, how are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I um, you know, I worked a lot this morning, and then you know, I still have this back issue. I have stenosis in my back, Dave, and yep. it and it's and it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm in constant pain, and I'm just on my way probably towards surgery but um uh i don't know how to say this without people without maybe getting condemned but i've tried a lot of medication all different kinds and the best medication seriously is alcohol is that i don't think that's that's not that's not too far out there okay i mean real why don't doctors just write prescriptions for like, hey, you need four shots of bourbon tonight? I mean, some won't even do it for CBD oil now. Like, they, they still won't do it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you're causing other complicated factors when you, you know, decide to medicate with whiskey. Um, you know, like cirrhosis well, of the liver in the long term. Okay, well. But on a short term basis? Like, yeah, whatever. What if you're doing it with oxy, oxycodone? I mean, that's a, that's pretty addictive. That's. I mean, we have a national crisis because that would uh, just look, we're really. All, uh, you're 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 preaching to the choir here because we're all just talking about okay. drugs. Like we're just okay. talking about different different drugs you can take, and some of them are approved for various reasons, usually not wholly related to their potential harm, um, but due to various socio political factors. So really, yeah. I mean, what's the big difference between that and like whatever the fentanyl is? Come on. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm seriously not joking now, though. I've tried. It's been about three weeks. I'm waiting for the MRI, and I've tried all different kinds of medications, all different kinds combinations, and alcohol is what is what is the best. You know what you should try? Go rub some huh. CBD oil on it. See what happens. Done it. I've done it. Done it. Done it. Done it. Alcohol's wow. still the best. Wow. It's the reigning champ. Yeah. They should alcohol should hire you as a market marketing guy. Like I you would can, gladly yeah, do it. I, will, I would gladly do it. I'd like to speak to the merits of alcohol. Um, <laughs> okay, well, this has been triggering, I'm sure, for some of you out there. I want to see the I want to see the prescription. Is what I want to see. Is that we all go into a liquor store <laughs> with a prescription? <laughs> it would be so clinical that it would not sound appetizing in any real way. Um, it wouldn't be like a 12-er of PBR. <laughs> oh, my God. I think it would solve our country's ills. Okay. Maybe. What are we talking about, Dave? we got a lot to discuss, Tracy. We've got to talk about a new departure from the UCLA football team. Uh, we've got to talk about uh, the fact that UCLA is uh, in the red, budget-wise, for maybe the first time in, like, I don't know, 20 years. Yes. Um, we've got to talk about basketball, finally playing a little bit of defense, looking like maybe a real team. Uh, Sharif yes. O'Neal's departure, unrelated yes. to that, but. Damn, we've got a lot to talk about. We really do. Um, yeah, we got a ton to talk about. So let's start uh, with an easy one. Uh, Jordan Wilson 
is saying sayonara to UCLA, something that I think you were speculating about a little bit ago. Uh, you know, I don't you know if it was called speculation. I mean, I pretty much kind of said it without really actually too much saying it. I, I kind of said it was going to happen or, yeah. Um, the significant thing here is this is a projected starter. Yeah. A projected starter who decided he's leaving. I mean, Devin Asiasi goes pro. It would be Jordan Wilson. He would be the guy. And I mean, it is, it is a, what would you call the tight end position in this offense? It is. It is the <laughs> offense. I mean, it, so much of yeah. what he even claimed it himself. And obviously as with most things, Trip Kelly says in a public format, it's like probably 60% just contrarianism to whoever's asking him the question. Uh, but he said we built the personnel, like we built the offensive scheme based on what we had assessed from the personnel, basically claiming that, you know, the fact that they had talented tight ends on the depth chart is why they built an offense so geared around the tight end. Well, now, I mean, it's Mike Martinez, who we're still not like totally sure should be playing tight end and maybe should be playing offensive line. Um <laughs> Michael Aziki, who's a junior who was playing outside receiver, who was he injured this past year? Have we gotten any clarity on that? <laughs> um, who didn't play this little... year? Who basically did not play this year? But now he's going to be in the two deep, more or less, at tight end. Uh, Greg Dulcich, who's a walk on, who I actually like, I think he's fine. Um, but he's even more of a receiving type tight end. Like he's not a big dude. And then David Preby, who we really haven't seen anything of. Um, so, and then on, and then this is the thing, um, UCLA, uh, the coaching staff offered a few really, a really elite guys like DJ Rogers, the kid from Washington, because those are elite guys. Um, you know, that's who, that's who you offer. But then when all those guys pretty much committed elsewhere, pretty early on, UCLA didn't go hard after another tight end. They were looking for walk on tight ends. <laughs> uh, they did. They did not anticipate that that these guys could have been lost from their death chart. I mean, Matt Lynch was going was a graduate transfer. Yep. Uh, Devin, well, Jordan Wilson now is too. Devin Asiasi would be a, a redshirt senior next year, who has been to Michigan, UCLA, and you'd thinking he's just getting tired of college. Um, and then Jordan Wilson, and I think I, I mean, just to be semi-serious, I think I wrote about that, what, six, seven months ago, yeah. that he was thinking about it. Yep. What, what is it that the staff couldn't anticipate that they might need a tight end and really didn't go after a tight end in the last three or four months until they went after Jack Yeri, yep. who is a USC legacy who, I, I mean, smokescreen – even with our friend Greg Biggins, who we dearly love. How much do we dearly love Greg Biggins? I dearly love Greg Biggins. I would put him on a, a scale of like dearly love, like a one to ten, I'd give him a nine and a half. And and not just that we love him personally, we love Greg because he's right all the time. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Even Greg said he thought uh Yeri might actually seriously consider UCLA, but all of our little denizens on that bro forum said, nah, even jokingly said, that's a smokescreen. He's going to end up at USC. 
And that was the only tight end. We, uh, UCLA couldn't even get an official visit out of Jack Gary. So, and the, and the final word uh, on it was from him. He said, oh, yeah, my dad would kill me if I went there. <laughs> <laughs> Which you might have been able to know literally six months ago. And then on top of it, there's this guy, Nick Sani, <laughs> who's from Northern California, who we saw at a number of camps. We, he, I think he came to the UCLA camp. I'm getting all my camps mixed up. 6'6", 250 pounds, moved really well. We thought, I'm talking about Patrick Yu. Remember Patrick? I How's remember Patrick? Patrick. Saw him in a couple of camps, thought, wow, this guy moves really well for a 6'6", 250-pound guy. He could be an offensive tackle or at least a blocking tight end in the UCLA scheme. And UCLA never offered him, pass him over, didn't offer any other tight ends in the last few months. And then Nick Sani just got offered by Washington. And Washington has two other tight ends committed. So that's not good. Would you consider this not really great recruiting? I would say this probably rates as bad recruiting. Um, and you more, importantly, more importantly, <laughs> most importantly, horrific roster management. Because, we again, we got to look at the whole thing. we got to look at the whole picture, which is not only not recruiting at the level you need to, but also just not having a good feel for what's going on on your roster. And That's what I'm saying. How do, how do I know what's going on more than uh, – I don't even want to go there. But, I mean, we had a sense that this could happen with all of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very bad. The, the, the whole – everything that they do with respect to roster management has been – and I, I don't want to speak in too much hyperbole, but it's been nearly an unmitigated disaster. Everything, the recruiting that they've done, the evaluation of the own, their talent on the roster, and then just the choices they've made in terms of strategizing who they're going to get in a particular cycle. It's all been bad. Every bit of it. And I, I really don't know why. It's just, I don't know if it's delusional, if it's hubris, whatever it is. It's most people who are just readers of our site could look at the depth chart, see what's happening and go, hey, that, that's a possibility. It's, it's really amazing, I have to admit. I've never experienced any, any player roster management like this since I've been doing this job. The logical thing, like looking at everything right now, the the way I would probably go is, and I, I know I've been I've been banging this drum for so long, so it's kind of bang your drum, Dave, bang it. Yeah, I've been banging this for so long, but it really would make sense to go to a spread now, um, and it doesn't need to be like a four wide crazy thing. You can still use a Y, a tight end. Um, but they have running backs who could fit the mold of a slot receiver, too. I, I, first, they don't have any great running backs who are going to be between the tackles, like guys who can grind out between the tackles yards for you. Um, so looking at this group of people, I mean, Demetrius Felton can play some slot. Uh, Kaz Allen maybe could play some slot. No idea, but maybe. Throw him in there. See what happens. Um, <laughs> but you've got those couple of guys. I mean, I don't know about Keegan Jones. Maybe him, too. But... Um, and then you've got some receiver talent. I won't say you have a ton of depth, but you've got some talent there. And it keeps you from having to do too many formations with um, 
like player to be named later as your third tight end. Um, they, I don't think they can run the same sort of offense they were running this year with this tight end group, and not even just strictly from a talent perspective, from a numbers perspective. I don't think you can have too many formations where you've got like three tight ends on the field when you only really have four tight ends. Um, it's and you and you lightly touched on running back there. You yeah. said yeah that those guys are more suited for probably a spread. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, as we've seen this week or in the last few weeks, they miss out on Jalen Berger. They miss out on Leneth Whitehead. Leneth? Leneth. Sure. Leneth. It's one and of then, those two names for sure. Right. And now, uh, uh, DJ Lundy, they're trying for who is from the Southeastern conference kind of area. And then they get involved with Jalen White, uh, an Alabama kid, and both trying to get those guys in for official visits. And as of yet, we have yet to find out that they're going to visit, thinking that they'll be a candidate to replace Joshua Kelly. Um, I'm, I'm kind of piling on, right, yeah. when it comes to bad personnel management because – Because they have eight, uh, eight like scholarship running backs right now? Yeah. None of whom they feel confident in for next year? Yep. And they're still searching for guys. And the guy they got a commitment from early, uh, Nathaniel Jones, never had the grades and just decommitted. Yeah. And so there's a lot to be said about Rashad White, the JC guy who's going to come in. It's it's all on you, Rashad. (laughs) You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. Oh, no, I don't think you're joking. That was more of a cringy laugh. You're silly that you think they're switching to a, a spread. Oh, no, no. I, I, I don't think they are. What oh, I, what I think is that should. it's increasingly logical that they should. Um, right. No, of course they're not going to. Um, no, come on, Tracy. That'd <laughs> be out of this world. Um, <laughs> you know what? Our, t- our tone right now is, is not good. We need to like... <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Let's talk about a more positive topic. Um, UCLA okay. being in the red for the first time in like 15 years. Wow, nice transition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I haven't read the details of that article. Our friend John Wilner. I've got John- one for you. You ready for it? Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, might, I, I read this earlier, so I might be misquoting it a little bit. But more or less, the gist is true. In Jim Mora's last year, UCLA spent just under a million dollars on food. How much would you guess they spent in Chip Kelly's first year? (laughs) Well, they instituted that training table, which is supposed to be spectacular. Mm -hmm. I I would bet it's $6 million. $5.5 million. Um, yeah, so they've invested a ton. So they've done a lot of good things, and I'm not going to knock UCLA for like actually stepping up to the plate after we spent decades telling them to step up to the plate. They've spent exactly. a lot of money um, yeah. on different facilities, different resources for Chip Kelly and staff. They spent a ton of money buying out um, uh, Jim Mora. They spent a ton of money buying out Steve Alford. Spent a ton of money hiring Mick Cronin. Gave him a $2 million bonus right off the jump. Um, and spent a good amount of money on Chip Kelly's just kind of everything surrounding that program. And the issue is basketball tanked over the last two years and football tanked um, and has not the real issue. And, the real issue is is football. Yeah. How much they're losing out 
in season tickets and just basic ticket sales. I, I can't even remember the numbers, but I do remember, didn't I figure there was something, it was something like 18 to $20 million a year they were missing out when I did the math probably about a month and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. There's your deficit. They're running, they're, they're running, what was it, an $18 million deficit for 2019? Yeah, and it's tough to exactly, it's tough to exactly figure what the, um, what it's actually going to work out to be because they were in the deficit, they were in the red the previous year, but were able to compensate for it with reserve funds from Wilner's report. And yeah. I don't know how much reserve fund was left over for this year. So it might be that they were even more in the red, but they were able to deal with it to an extent this year. Next year, if Chip Kelly's not good, it could get really bad. Um, well, now, see, here's the thing the operating like budget, said. because obviously they're only going to have one time expenses like the Mora buyout. I give them a, a lot of credit. I mean, they've been running at a positive, a net positive for, what, a couple of decades, really conservatively, though. So they decide to invest in their football program. They invest in Chip Kelly. They buy out Jim Mora. They buy all these uh, resources, facilities. They do all this. On the mere fact, just the slight bet, and we all would have taken this bet. If there's anyone out there who said they would not have taken this bet, you're lying that chip Kelly would have won more games in his, in two years than seven games and sold more season tickets. And I think that was a, that was a good bet. You would have taken that bet. Correct. Of course. Yeah. So I do not fault the administration at this point. And uh, it's just really bad circumstances all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, it's, but it's I, a I, lot I, of bad I luck. The feet of um, the football program right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not great. Uh, okay. So should we keep going on football? Um, what else do you want to talk about on football? We have a signing day in about a week and a half. Yeah, like I said, and what else do we have to talk day. about in football? <laughs> well, they have an official visit weekend this weekend coming up. Like right? I said, Tracy, what else do we have to talk about in football? I don't know. It's just kind of there's there's a there's a theme going on. Mm-hmm. Have you inter- have you you know the theme? Like, so they had these five guys who were going to visit. One was a JC defensive tackle, um, who then verbally committed to Missouri Missouri yesterday. That's pretty bad. Ben, ben Key. And from what I've heard, he couldn't get uh, admitted academically to UCLA. But there is no way we're going back to personnel management that you can blame admissions for this. There's no way on January 23rd that they should be scrambling to find guys who qualify and have and have spent time recruiting them and have arrangements for them to come in an official visit. And then they can't get into admissions and they commit someplace else. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's a group of those sorts of guys and that, you know, guys that they have very little chance of getting. And then a bunch of, you know, like Bodie Schoonover who's like, yeah, I might come, but I'll go on a mission. So we'll just do this whole thing again in three years. It's really great. Well, they're right now this weekend is is mostly uh, besides uh, Jacoby Christ, who was that late edition uh, prep the high school uh, linebacker. It's grad transfers. It's Quantrez Knight, mm-hmm. um, who uh, is a grad uh, transfer, and uh, Britan Brown, who is a grad transfer running back, and o- Obi Ebo, 
Obiibo. Obiibo. He was a grad transfer cornerback from Stanford. Now, you know, we're hearing that they're looking good with Brown. They're probably looking good with Ebo. Um, there have been hints from people I've heard that, I, I mean, Knight doesn't really have any more serious options, at least right at this moment, that and then they're going to get all three of those guys. So there's your grad transfers, and there's a question of just really how good those three are going to be. I'm yeah. I'm now jaded about how good they can be as grad transfers coming to UCLA. We talked about this in the last in the last broadcast. Just like what kind of grad transfers could they get, given that they are they're seven and seventeen. Um, you tell me, Dave. Not good ones. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be great ones. Um, I mean, we're talking about so Knight. He was at Kent State for a year uh originally was at maryland so he's a two-time transfer is that what we're talking about here yes this will be a second transfer okay well that's something um britain brown was ucla after him when he was a when he was a uh i'm remembering that name for some reason yeah i don't think i don't think they were actually and he he was good at duke until he got he had a couple of shoulder injuries i believe that have set him back the last couple of years. So if he's healthy, he could absolutely contribute. But uh, And then Obi Ebo, who will be stepping into cornerback and hopefully good enough to at least lend some playable depth, losing, uh, losing Darnay Holmes at one spot and then having the other guys who were there from last season and the secondary did not have a good year. Yeah. So, and hey, you did a report on how Joshua Kelly and Darnay Holmes are looking good at the Senior Bowl practices. Yes, I did. I did do a report on that. I mean, uh, those are, they're showing to be talented guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, so Darnay was probably hurt for a lot of the year. So I think that probably played a role. Maybe he's healthier now. So he's looking pretty good. I mean, I watched a few clips of him and he did look. He looked more like the Darnay we saw two years ago than the Darnay we saw most of this year. So that's good to see. And Joshua Kelly looked like the guy we've seen for two years. I mean, it, it, he's he's just showing up out there. No, I mean, UCLA had a, a star running back and real talent at corner. Um, so, yeah, good luck to those guys. I mean, we'll see what they end up doing. I was just saying it might be really hard to replace those two guys. Yeah. From what we're hearing when they're standing out at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's, well, yeah, there's no way they're replacing Joshua Kelly in particular. Yeah. Um, okay, do you want to switch to basketball? Because I'm kind of I'm kind of fed up with football. But Dave, how about basketball? Let's talk two about wins. Two wins. Two, two wins, but wins. most importantly, two wins driven by what, Tracy? There's that defensive thing. That's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. I'm talking about. I wasn't yeah. ready to call it after the Cal game because Cal was just so terrible. Um, so terrible. But Oregon State's middling. At worst, they're actually okay. Um, yeah. Putting the clamps down on them, I mean, that was a good shooting team that they put the clamps on. And, yeah, there was some, you know, missed open looks, that whole deal. But, you know, I, not to liken it to it because it's nowhere near that level yet, but Hallen's defenses also gave up the occasional open look, but those teams were so tired after having to deal with the defense for so long, they were missing a lot of open looks too. 
So yeah. missing open looks can be the sign of a good defense too. Yeah, I'm sure it was a, a bit of uh, Mr. Mr. Tinkle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Of, of missing a few open looks, but the defense was generally good. They sustained a good effort throughout the entire 40 minutes um, and playing deep into shot clocks. Um, so that, that, was, that was very impressive. And I think that they've come around to realizing – they're, they're getting a core. They're getting a nucleus of guys that I think you're going to be able to ride for at least the next two years. Um, and I really was impressed by how they played. In the, I mean, when you, when you were watching that game, I had, I had at least four or five people texting me. When they were up by even 13 or even you know, 9, 10, they're saying, they're so losing this game. <laughs> Those are all the texts that we're getting at the time. Yeah. And they held on and they played with a lot of poise and, and focus in the, at the end in the last six or seven minutes and, and absolutely in the last couple of minutes. So that was kind of impressive. actually. And I I think critically, I mean, uh, obviously they've made one big lineup switch that I think we're both in favor of, even though he hasn't like lit the world on fire, which is putting David Singleton in the starting lineup. I think even with him not really contributing a ton, it has improved the just general like basketball IQ of the guys on the floor. Like when he's in there, um, and coupled with that, you've got Jalen Hill and Chris Smith, who I think both, in their own ways, responded positively to that tirade from Mick Cronin after Stanford, where he basically called out everybody but. Um, Hawkes and and Singleton for you know not really being bought in um, and those two guys I think have really responded with two I mean Jalen Hill's numbers aren't going to blow you away from that game but he was huge down the stretch with his defense and and Smith has been well kind of the only offense on the team the last couple of games and you got to give it to our boy Hawkes oh yeah well he's been he's been our boy since the beginning of the year I'm talking yeah. about two guys who are not. Definitively not your boy for sure, um, and now now they've become. And and Jules Bernard too. Yeah, uh, you you can see he's he's getting under control. I'm sure he'll still make some drives to nowhere in his career, but there's a huge difference when he catches the ball with his feet square, you know, balanced, and just catching the ball with his hands up and shooting rather than off balance. I think he made. Did he make three threes? Something I think he like did. That. Yeah, and there's a huge there's a huge difference there. So it's all about fundamentals and it's all about defense. It was really fun to watch Oregon State uh, just fall into what I think Mick Cronin wanted them to do, which was let them drive into the paint and then trap them and slap that ball away. Yeah. Um, that was kind of fun to watch. Um, and, you know, you and I, I don't know about you i thought maybe i'm speaking for you but it's always fun to watch good defense of course it is basketball yeah 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 Yeah. no it's honestly these two games even though they've been kind of like you know whatever middling pac-12 teams um more enjoyable than a lot of all for big heavy point wins like just yeah you know watching them make like not even like smart plays but just playing hard on defense it's, it's nice to watch. It's just good to watch, like, effort. Um, 
so yeah, I, I, it's been a it's been an enjoyable couple of games. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't Oregon's pretty good. Um, that'll be a challenging game, um, and I don't know if UCLA's defense is up to the task. But it's going to be interesting to see if they can play them even competitively. Like even have honestly, even if they lost the game against Oregon State, I was ready to say, oh, that was that was a good competitive loss. That's that's a that's a positive step in the right direction. Um, looking for the same against Oregon. Just really yeah. good effort where you can say, okay, this is a major step in the right direction. Yeah, and I mean, I don't mean to lower expectations, but a tough out. I think someone on our board said, I want to see UCLA be a tough out for a team like Oregon. Yeah. And at Oregon, absolutely 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. So so what do you think about, what do you think about uh, Mick Cronin's approach to coaching? You mean like the yelling and screaming on the sideline, the whole thing? Well, you said that. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it can work. Uh, it's not probably my like preferred, like as a observer, the preferred way I like to see a coach doing their thing on the sideline. I think all that, like, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, the verbal abuse I sustained is like a, you know, as a athlete helped prepare me for like toughness and i'm like yeah but you can get that same thing with like just stern but like good instruction like you don't need to be like demeaned to get better get tougher um so i i I call bs on all that now can it be effective sure and i think uh, his the proof's in the pudding there and i don't as long as kids aren't like actually getting you know really you know abused by it then whatever but no it's not my preferred thing in a coach i'd prefer them all to be more or less polite citizens i think it's a silly thing we believe about athletics that you need to be like some vulgarian like drill sergeant to get through to kids which i don't think is accurate by any study anything that you look at from that perspective but whatever if it works it works um and uh yeah you know i i during the Cal game, I think it was, um, you could actually hear Cronin's instructions um, because they had the mic, I think, too hot near him. Um, mm-hmm. And you could hear him. And honestly, I don't know if it's just we didn't catch much of it, but like it was a hectoring tone, but it wasn't like he was like cursing everybody out. He was like, <laughs> yeah. one at one play, it was uh, Tiger um, – just stayed on his man when he probably should have helped. And it was crowing and yelling from the sideline. Hey, Tiger, that one's on you. That's on you. Um, which, whatever. That's just coaching. Um, right. So I don't I, I don't know. Maybe something else is going on. But from what I heard, it didn't sound that bad. It just sounds like he's a yeller. And, you know, coaching, like some of it is you do have to yell. you got to be heard in a loud arena. Um, so, no, I I don't have too much problem with it until it becomes a problem, you know, until it, it right. if it becomes like a Bob Knight thing, then yeah, that's a problem. Um, right. Where he's throwing a chair out. Yeah. Or, or something even slightly less extreme than kid. that, but like, yeah. even like just yelling pure invective and getting somebody's face and pointing their finger and touching their nose. Like that's the kind of thing where I'm like, Oh, that's, that's taking it a step too far where you're actually, you know, touching somebody while you're angry at them. Like that's, that's where I get kind of a little leery of the whole thing. This is what Wayne Tinkle said. I was trying to find this quote. We had some turnovers. We had guys trying to make plays that they normally don't. It was hard to execute some of our sets because we couldn't get screens. They were blowing up our screens like offensive linemen. 
It was a very physical game, but we did miss a lot of shots we needed to make. Love hearing that. Wow, love hearing that. And if you haven't been on the basketball premium forum, oh, it's just so funny of of people talking about the offensive lineman reference. Oh yeah. <laughs> but seriously, that that was one of the best things I've read in a very long time about UCLA sports. Where Wayne Tinkle, a coach I respect, says says that that's that's pretty great. So. Um, on top of it, you still got a commitment this week from, from Will a, McClendon. Will McClendon. Um, I've seen him play one time, only one time. Um, but I've talked with people who have seen him. Uh, and they really like him for a number of reasons. Um, first, he's a great defender. He's really tough physically and tough mentally. He's listed at 6'3", but don't tell anyone he might not be 6'3". More probably 6'2"-ish, maybe. Sure. Um, but uh, a very good defender, good laterally, not like a, you know, a sky riser where he's going to be throwing down monster dunks and things like that. Um, his shot has got a lot better, um, but he's a combo guard and he could play the two, play the one and guard the one or the two. So it's, it's Mick Cronin recruiting to the type of, player that he wants in his program and I, I thought it was a great uh a great commitment really really encouraged by it because he's creating a, the ucla program kind of in the image that he wants well and I'll, I'll tell you my thought when i heard mcclendon and then also how well ucla is doing with jalen clark uh suddenly ucla is taking those guys who all drifted down to san diego state that you and hicks <laughs> especially were advocating they take like back in the late Howell and early Alford era. Um, and I'm talking about guys like Dakari Allen, uh, Dakari Allen, I should say, um, Jeremy Hemsley. Yeah. Um, guys who, yeah, offensive game coming along, maybe, but athletes who can defend, um, especially on the perimeter. Um, and both these guys, I think, fit that mold of guys who, if, if it was late era Ben Howland, would have been drifting down to San Diego State. Um, or early era Alford. So, um, yeah, I mean, I watched, I mean, I haven't seen either guy in person, but watching just what I could see of them, they both look like athletes who can defend. Um, and you, and you mentioned San Diego state. Yeah. A program that we, you know, I think I famously said when, uh, Cal had it rolling in football that they stole UCLA's football program. You could say San Diego state might've stolen UCLA's basketball program, they are ranked... What the hell are they ranked? Something ridiculous. Well, they're 20-0 they're and 0 right now. Um, are they fourth in the country? Are they really Something like that. They're, they're seventh in Ken Palm. So, I mean, it's it's even matched up with the numbers. And they're doing they are defense. fourth in the country. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and I'm talking about Steve Fisher era, too. I mean, they went to the tournament six times in a row. And it's... I mean, it's San Diego State. You're not going to get the consistent level of talent that even a UCLA that's down is going to get. But they were consistently getting guys that... You and Hicks especially thought UCLA should be taking that guy. Um, yeah. And so uh, these two, uh, McClendon, who they got, and Clark, who they're doing well with, um, both of those guys look like that type of mold of player, which I think yeah. is only going to benefit this program to get, you know, three- and four-year guys in there who can defend, who can learn, and who are tough uh, mentally. Um yeah, that's that's a really good sign for the future. Um, and I, 
take as many like whatever six three ish to six five ish guys you want. That's fine. Just take them. It's cool. Yeah, tough guys, physically tough Just guys, tough athletes who are that size. Yeah. That's cool because they'll and defend remember, a bunch of different positions. College basketball is weird. Some fours are like six six. It doesn't matter. Just take them all. That's what our friend Ben Hallen did for the first few years. Yeah, and then and then there was that six nine. Uh, what country was he from? Six nine. Nikola Dragic. Yeah, what country was he from? Was he s- Serbian? Yeah, who um, could not guard anyone, and fell in love with him. Fell in love with him. He was fell Montenegro. Montenegro. So Serbian. Serbian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there were a number of guys in that era, right after like the first four or five years, that we really advocated for Helen to recruit. Guys like Jalen Clark, six five. I've seen I've seen Jalen Clark one time. He looks like, damn. I mean, he he looks like a safety, like a six four six five safety. The guy's ripped up, and that's the guy you want defending. <laughs> oh yeah. So. I like what Mick Cronin's doing. I really like the fact. I here's here's the big argument. Would you rather have someone like Jalen Clark for four years, or Joshua Christopher for one year, where he just wants to go pro and he's a one and done, and he's just kind of using the program as a stepping stone? Why not both? But yeah, I mean, if you if if you're gonna give me my pick right now, I probably take like a Clark if because it's it is. Um, the the long haul. I don't think they're going to be great next year, regardless. I think they'll be better. Um, I think they'll probably be like a you know bubbleish NCAA tournament team, maybe. Um, just from like the growth that we're already seeing from guys like Hill and Smith, if they stick around. Um, but um, next year, so you add Josh Christopher to that mix with uh, Dacian Nix. What are you really getting extra? I mean, you're you're they're going to be an obvious tournament team at that point. But are they going to be really good? I don't know. Yeah, I, like, I don't it's know hard if, to say. It's hard to say. It's it, but if you can give me a Jalen Clark type for four years, and then you pair him with some other like solid top hundred type kids to go along with a you know a true star like Knicks, I don't know. I like that mix for two years, three years, and Knicks. I don't looking at him. I don't think he's a one and done. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I don't. I don't look at him and say, oh, that's an obvious like he's going to go pro immediately. Um, just like body wise, I don't, uh, but maybe, I mean, it could happen. Um, but, um, I, I like that, that general idea of taking a four year guy who can contribute at a pretty good level for two or three years over a freshman one and done who might be part of a decent team, but might not be. And, and you talked about next year. I mean, if those core guys return, Jalen Hill, Chris Smith, it's it's really fun to think about what those guys will be next year after being in this program. Is Chris Smith? Uh, so I, I texted you this. Is he going to be poor man's Dijon Thompson? You know that year two of Howland where he put up like eighteen and eight. I mean, right now he's he's averaging what thirteen something like this, and and he's. Uh, I mean, yesterday he played limited minutes because of foul trouble. I, he he clearly is not even close to his offensive potential. One of the biggest plays, I thought, just not in the game, but overall projecting for the future, is when 
I think he came around a came around a screen, had that open lane, and decided to go up with both hands and dunk that thing, which a lot of guys would have gone up weak and tried to lay it in, but he went up with both hands and drew a foul. Yeah. And and looked kind of fearless doing it. So he's he's gaining confidence. And yeah, it'll be very interesting if he stays. And I know that sounds weird, that kind of is open ended, but you know, players make really stupid decisions, especially UCLA players when it comes to the NBA or going pro. But if he and Jalen Hill do stay, it's going to be very interesting with Jaime and, and uh, you know, Dacian Nix, even Jules Bernard coming back next year. It'll be very interesting to see just how good those guys are. Yeah, and I mean, if you plug Nix into, say, it returns relatively intact, which, look, it's UCLA, it rarely happens, but if it did... <laughs> You'd have Hill probably starting. You'd have Smith starting. You'd have Hawkins starting. You'd have Nick starting. And then it's really kind of up for grabs on that other spot. Um, I, I, in my ideal world, I think Singleton is probably, I mean, he's got to get his shot back if he's going to be a, a full-time starter. I mean, he, he's got to do a little bit more offensively. But even if he's just a guy coming off your bench as your, like, sixth guy, um, I think that would be a pretty good roster. But you still have to have that other spot. And, sure. you know, that's the one that if you filled it with Christopher, maybe that team is really good. It's hard to know how a freshman's going to fit in, but maybe that team is really good suddenly. And that, that leads us to Sharif O'Neal. Yeah. Yeah. So Happy trails, um, Sharif. Uh, it's funny because there, there, there's a lot to be um, brought up about this. Um, he clearly had a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6'9", athletic, showed some offensive skills. Um you could see where he could develop, but um, I posted on the forum that from what I'm hearing, there are there is some sentiment around him that thinks he's a pro and sooner than later. Um, and then there was a good thread today talking about who leaves a team midseason. And, and, you know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of bros who are parents in that thread saying, Hey, I, you know, my father taught me don't quit. And I've told my kids you're committed and it's just not about you. It's about your team and your teammates and you see it through. What do you think, Dave? You tell me. Um, not knowing like personal circumstances, if it's just like a playing time decision, I mean, it's a little weak sauce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, I heard, but it's it's self selection. So the kind of guy who's gonna decide to transfer out like midway through the con- like not even midway through, they're well into conference play. It's like beyond the halfway point of the year. Um, right. Not a fit. Not a fit for your program long term. Like wouldn't have been a fit. Wasn't gonna happen. So it's a good thing probably for Cronin. It clears a roster spot for a guy who might be a fit. Because um, look, Sharif O'Neal, wow you with his athleticism. I think maybe there was a circumstance where you could have turned him into a fit because he's a young kid. And if you, you know, I think there was, as we've talked about, there have been some curious playing time decisions. Um, And I think one of the curiosities was playing, especially in the recent weeks, playing Cody Riley so many minutes and playing Sharif O'Neal basically none. Um, One guy is potentially part of the future. The other guy is... Uh, he is who he is. Um, and so maybe there was a chance to turn him into a fit, but maybe there wasn't. I mean, if he's got so many voices in his ear that he thinks he's a pro already and he was willing to just kind of 
bounce after one game of DNP, well, probably not a fit. Um, So ideal world, maybe that situation is managed a little bit differently um, from the jump and he's, you know, playing a little bit more, whatever it takes, but there might've been every effort expended to get him on board and he just kind of wasn't feeling it. So, you know, I I think it's probably to the good that, that uh, he bounced and, uh, and leaves Cronin with another roster spot to fill. Yeah, two two openings still for uh, well three openings. God, I'm getting ahead of myself. If they get Jalen Clark, um, that's three. If they get Jalen Clark, they have two openings. Um, and as I've written, I think the first thing would be possibly to go into the grad transfer market to see what they could get out of that as a one year boost. Um, and that will be very interesting to see because you, you would you would like to see you know possibly a front court player there too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of encouraged. I'm kind of encouraged by basketball. Maybe overall, I'm I'm just really beaten down. There's that BBS going on, but I just I'm encouraged by basketball because I see toughness being instilled. Yeah. Well, and the reason what you just brought up about front court players, the reason I'm thinking, the reason I'm making a not completely like ridiculous comparison between Chris Smith and Dijon Thompson is that was, I mean, he played it a little bit in that first year under Howland where he played a little bit of four, but that's really the role he embraced that final year because UCLA just didn't have many options um, in Howland's second year at the four, and so Dijon Thompson went to a full time face up four. Where it turned out, oh, he should have been playing that the entire time. Um, and Which he, was a genius move. On it was so because, good. Because Chris Dijon Smith, Thompson was really 6'5". You know, 6'5", 6'6". Chris Smith is a legit 6'8". No, to Chris Smith, it's even more so, should be doing that. Exactly. Um, and he's done it a little bit this year. But again, that's the sell, I think, to Smith. If you're trying to retain him for next year, you say, look, I'm going to turn you into a badass face-up four. Um, yeah. We're going to run this entire thing through you. Um, you and Hill are going to be playing inside out all the time. You're going to pass it into him. He's going to pass it out to you. You're going to get open threes. Um, that's the design of this thing. And look, that's that's what your body tells you you are in the NBA. So let's spend a year doing that, make an NCAA tournament, get some accolades, and then you can go pro. Um, I'm that, sold. I'm sold. That's a great sales yeah, and the uh, thing is, he's improved. He's improved a ton as a shooter this year. Um, the three point shooting isn't quite bearing it out yet. He's hitting about a third of his three point shots, but his free throw shooting has improved tremendously. He's now hitting eighty five percent of his free throws. One of the biggest indicators for improvement as a three point shooter is actually even so. His, his likelihood of being a good NBA three-point shooter has a lot more to do with his free throw stroke than his three-point shooting stroke at the college level. It's this weird analytical thing. Look um, at you throwing out really yeah. interesting analytics. But my prediction is with that kind of free throw stroke right now, his three-point shooting stroke is going to skyrocket next year if he sticks in college. That's um, really, really interesting. And, and he's the best natural rebounder on the team. We love ourselves and Chris Smith. We like ourselves some Chris Smith. That's right. You gotta you gotta stay that one more year, Chris, or we won't like you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Twelve and a half points right now. Five point four rebounds per game. You want to know what Dijon Thompson was at his junior year? Yeah. Fourteen and a half points. Four point three rebounds per game. He yeah, he was four, 14 points as a junior. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
But he shot that up to 18 and 8. 18 and Ah. 8 his senior year as a face-up four. You can do it, But Chris Chris Smith needs to know our love is conditional. Our love is – I mean, at all times, our love is conditional. Um, But – but it's there. It's there right now. It's theirs for you to take. So there's a great movie called uh, Sleeping with the Enemy. You ever mm-hmm. see that movie? Yeah, sure. With uh, Jason Sudeikis and uh, Alison Brie. You ever see that movie? You don't know it. Um, anyway. Wait, I'm there's... thinking of an older movie. No. It came out probably five years ago. No. Sleeping with the Enemy is a movie that came out in 1991. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, No. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's Sleeping. What? With Wait, wait, wait. I'm looking it up. I'm I'm looking it up. Sleeping with other? Yes. Sleeping with something. Sleeping with other people. Sleeping with other people. Damn, I can't believe I missed that. And, um... (laughs) There's the guy who's a supporting actor who's a brilliant supporting actor, and I can't remember his name either, but they're watching a soccer match, and his kid's playing. <laughs> and he's saying – he's literally yelling at his kid. He said, my love, love is conditional. <laughs> <laughs> like the kid better do really well or their love, his fatherly love is done. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sleeping with other people. Damn. Normal. Very normal. Yeah, yeah so Chris Smith stays. Jalen Hill stays. Hawkes gets better. Knicks comes in and starts. Whatever. Throw Singleton in there again. Um, or Jalen Clark. Jalen Clark will be on the team, right? If he commits. He's yeah, 20. we don't we don't want to get too far ahead, but I love to get too far ahead. Let's say he you comes. Do. You do that you do that a lot, and it kind of scares me. But yeah. Throw him no. in there. He's gonna guard some guys. You got David Singleton coming off the bench, Jake Kyman coming off the bench. That team makes the NCAA tournament. I think I will go out on a limb and say this. And it's Jason Mazukas. If you don't know that comedian, he's brilliant. You know what he is? Have you ever seen him? Jason Mazukas? Do I know what he is? Do you know who he is? Sorry. <laughs> I need another drink. I'm coming down. Man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, actually what I'll say is they'll hang a banner. Um, they'll win a national title. <laughs> See, that's what you do. You go so far, no one holds you accountable. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant tactic. Well, that's move. what I do is always speak in hyperbole and uh, nonsense. And then you can claim like the one thing in a hundred. Oh, yeah, I said that because you said so many other damn things. It's great. It's brilliant stuff. I call it cow herding. Much respect. Um, cow herding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think we're done. That was really good. I think we did really well for both of us being intoxicated. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Well, everyone, it was a pleasure speaking to you on this beautiful Friday evening. We will talk to you again next time. For Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Our love is conditional.